0: Hey, friends, Andy Jenkins, thank you for joining me again on the podcast. A couple things for you. I'm going to, first of all, wrap the Future Grace series today. Uh, I Thank you for joining me on the journey and for some of the feedback that you've given. It's really helpful. At some point in the future, I think I'm going to craft these words and ideas, concepts into like one of those short books that sometimes I put out. Uh, No time in the future because we have got absolutely so many projects that are going right now. But I think that's all where this is headed. I started drafting these notes a few years ago. I was actually on a flight out to Wyoming. One of our girls was in school and she figured out with these state schools very quickly that you could transfer from school to school to school to school and all your credits would go. So she decided to start making a tour of the U.S. doing that. And so uh, I would just go see her wherever she was, like, hey, wherever you are, I'll just kind of come out there. You kind of come back when you can on the holidays. I'll come see you, (laughs) you know, wherever you are. So that took me to LSU one time, Baton Rouge. That took me to Laramie, Wyoming one time. It took me to Los Angeles, California, where I stayed about a block off uh, off one of the great piers there. Uh, was a, just in a phenomenal location, so we had a lot of fun doing that. But my point is, a lot of times on these airplane jaunts, I would just say, "All right, I've got four hours plus some airport time. I'm going to just crank out some notes on something that I've been exploring, you know, and and, and make the most of the time." And so the future grace stuff it had been ideas been kicking around for a while, and I remember flying out, dropping some of the notes into the iPad. Uh, Another time, you know, to to let you know that soul wholeness information, a lot of that from the time going out to L.A. So airplanes, airports, I kind of like them. So we're going to finish the series today. And then in the next week, I think I've got a one-off. I want to talk to you about heaven in business and about God doing exponentially more Through you. That was a conference I went to a few weeks ago. Uh, Interesting how I met the guy that runs that movement and I recorded some reflections uh, right afterwards. And so I think I'm going to release that and then we'll get into another series. Not sure where we're going to head on that. I've got a couple ideas that are shaping around. I would encourage you, if you haven't already done so, download the Best of Soul Wholeness audiobook. It's in the show notes. And also, I put a link there to bump you over to the Advance webpage. That is a new, not new project. For several years, I led, with a team, a men's movement known as the Advance. We did events twice a year. Uh, So that would be, not biannually, would be every year. That would be semi-annually, every five to seven months. Uh, Wrote some books, created some courses, a day planner, some life management tools, really in an effort to help particularly guys. The tools will work for anyone. But the audience was men to move from where you are to where you're designed to be. And in the last five months, it really... A lot of conversations happened that brought that project back full circle. I'd always sensed when I stepped away from it years ago that it wasn't done. It wasn't over. In fact, to be completely transparent, I did not, longer story for another time, feel like it was time for me to step away from it. I knew I needed to pause, but I felt like there needed to be an entry ramp to get back on and to go full throttle with it. And looking back, the timing just wasn't correct. And so during that off time, a couple years, uh, redrafted the material, rewrote it, kept developing the ideas, pushed out the day timer, developed a few courses related to it, and in the last couple weeks, we have released a new podcast. Now, I'm gonna tell you where all this is headed. Uh, You can hear it here first. I don't think the podcast that we've released yet announces it. But we're about to crank up the events again, where we've got some online uh, platforming type of things that are going to go on. Uh, I know that kind of sounds vague, but there is a new website where, again, some of the great things are going to be rolling out, really to pull men together primarily. These tools will work for anybody, though. So if you're a gal and you're listening, hey, go give it a listen. You know, you can't come to a men's event, but... Uh, Go listen and apply the principles and and then send your man and let him come back better to love you more fully, to follow God more deeply, to live his purpose more really. And uh, let's do this thing together and do it the absolute best we can. You know, the reality is we are better together. And so that's what that movement is going to help guys do. Follow the link and jump over there. We're starting to rebuild that movement. Okay, so as I close out this series, here's what I want to remind you of is that God is certain of his call on you. It's part of what this whole future grace thing is, is God is certain of you. He gifted you future grace. You now gift others future grace. His future grace entails that you're going to find the path, the purpose, which he has foreordained and planned for you Part of that is for you to help others find their path, their purpose, their plan. It all works together. Uh, Some background for you. Uh, Back in Jesus's day, you know, we refer to the guys as disciples. He was known as a rabbi. Uh, That is a historical term, not just a religious term. Uh, The disciples spent a lot of time with him because he was their rabbi. That is how the term discipleship worked back then. Uh, We've reduced the concept of discipleship to uh, learn a couple of facts, learn some classes, get this training, but theirs was a life on life encounter whereby the rabbi imparted everything he knew and did to his students. So at the end of a discipleship period, several years, you would know everything the rabbi knew. You would be able to do everything the rabbi did. And the goal of the rabbi wasn't to restrain you to where there would always be on top. It was to release you and to empower you. Ah, This is why Jesus would say things like, you're going to do greater works than I do when I go to the Father, John 14, 12, because the rabbi was going to help you step it up a level to where Effectively, the rabbi's ceiling would become your floor. You were going to stand on the shoulders of the rabbi, again, doing everything the rabbi did. Uh, So in that culture, people would think, oh, my rabbi does X. My rabbi heals the sick. I can heal the sick. My rabbi walks on water. Jesus, that's you walking on water. If that really is you, tell me to come to you. My rabbi walks on water. I can walk on water. So you think about that story in Matthew 14, 28. If it really is you, tell me to walk on water. Rather than being a great statement of faith, his boldness to step on a wave through increased winds, during a storm and stride across the sea, It makes more sense when viewed through the backdrop of discipleship. His rabbi was there on the water? Oh, I can be on the water too. Ah. Well, I want to circle back to something I gave you a little piece of in the previous episode about the only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to show them how to do was to pray they never asked him to show them how to raise the dead, even though they eventually did that. We read about Peter doing that next night. They never asked Jesus that we see recorded showing them how to make a lame man walk, even though we see Peter doing that in the stories early in the book of Acts. We never see them asking Jesus, hey, teach us how to preach a spontaneous sermon even though we see the disciples do that all throughout the book of Acts, we do see them ask him to teach them how to pray. Meaning it must have been such an intimate, almost, I don't want to say effortless, but an ease to it that something about it captured their attention. Also, The only other thing they asked him to increase their faith to do was not the things we would ask him to increase our faith to do. Increase my faith so I can start a business and generate a booming income. Increase my faith so that I can uh, heal this person. Increase my faith so that I can raise the dead. Increase my faith so that I can... They asked him to increase their faith so that they could forgive. Ah. Uh, here is how it worked out. Conventional Jewish wisdom back in that day was that you offered an offender forgiveness three times. That's really kind of what we do today, honestly. We put these cultural ramifications on it that are conventionally wise in our mind that uh, we forgive, we forgive, we forgive, and then if they don't do it, we label them as, oh, we need to put a boundary on that person. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe not. Or they didn't do what we said in our way. They're all of a sudden an abuser. We water down all of these terms that are powerful and needed terms. But we've gotten so weak in our faith. Conventional cultural wisdom was that you forgave three times. So Peter is talking to Jesus about forgiveness one time. Uh, Jesus actually asked them how many times they should forgive somebody. Peter, instead of saying three, which is what a good Jewish man would have done, Peter doubles it and then adds to it to kind of level it up to that perfect number of seven. He comes up with and says, seven. Should he forgive an offender double what anybody in culture would do, plus one? That would be gracious. But to that, Jesus moved the line. Not just a little bit, a long bit. Not seven, not even seven with a zero added, but 70 times seven. So Matthew 18, 21, 22, right on the heels of when he's talking about restoring a brother who has fallen. It's in our culture, we get forgiveness wrong. We think of it as an emotional feeling or as a mental shift Only. But Jesus told stories and demonstrated that forgiveness not only acknowledges that a wrong took place, but that the offended then does something radical. They let the cost go. And they demonstrate the Father's heart with their actions. Actions, not not just an attitude, but what they do. They exhibit his kind of love by how they walk it out. In fact, The way the offended walks it out is actually evidence of how they perceive the forgiveness they've received from their heavenly father. A cold shoulder. A freeze out. A boundary that's misplaced. They might be demonstrating that they don't feel like they've received much forgiveness, so they don't need to dispense that much. Because the indication in Scripture is, to whom much is given, much is required. Freely you've received, freely give to the same measure you've received. So radical grace, radical reconciliation and restoration to others is an overflow of what You and I perceive that we've been received. We forgive as we've been forgiven. St. Augustine, uh, he wrote the book, The Confessions. In that book, he says something like this. He says that grace is so overwhelming and if all things truly work together for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose, if that really is the case, it doesn't mean that all things are good. It just means that all things work together for the good. That means that all things, it means that my sin, as radical as that sound, God will somehow use together for my good. That means That the sins done by others to me, somehow God will use together for the good. Here's the radical thing about discipleship in that culture. Disciples never chose their rabbis. Uh, in the same way that like now we would choose where am I going to go to church or we would choose where am I going to go to college or where do I want to learn this craft or this skill or this trade that I'm going to do for the future from this technical school or this vocational uh, educational center. Back in that culture, rabbis chose their students. They went and selected the ones that they thought had what it took. And so that means when Jesus selected Peter, James and John, Andrew, Bartholomew, Matthew, but the, all the others, when he chose them, it meant that he saw something in them that meant they could do it. Why? Because they didn't choose their rabbi. The rabbi chose them. And here's what it means for you and me. If God chose you, which I believe that he did, he pre-selected you from before the foundation of the world, is what Ephesians 1 said, that you would know him. If God chose you, it means that where so often we get it into our heads that we need to believe in God, it means that he believes in you. What does he believe he believes that the forgiveness offered to you in the past is powerful and effectual and will continue working despite the misdeeds you do. That you're not powerful enough to outpunt the promise of God to be restored and reconciled and whole to him. That there's nothing you could do to remove yourself from the grasp, from the grip of his grace. It also means that the same grace that saves you, as we've alluded to several things in this series, that the grip of his grace that saves you is also that same strong arm that empowers you to walk in a purpose. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, by grace you're saved, not a, of works. So no one can boast. Oh, I'm so good and blessable. God forgave me. He says, no, God Plan this before time began so that you would also walk in these great works that he foreordained. Means God believes in you that you can make it to find and fulfill the purpose for which he has destined you to make. It also means that he's certain that you can live out that imago Dei is what they call it in the Latin language, which, which is such a beautiful word the imago Dei, the image of God, it means that he believes that you can live out that, expressing that forgiveness, that 70 times 70 to others, that he's certain that you can live out the divine forbearance. Do you see it as we wrap it? My prayer is that the Lord bless you, that he keep you, that he's gracious, shines favor upon you, that you remember that you were chosen. You are selected. You are beloved, which means not only do you believe in God, but God, your father, believes in you. That is part of the essence of future grace. Grace and peace. I'll talk with you next week.